International. Welcome, 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 ladies and gentlemen, everybody. In between, this is Feature This Safanada Podcast. Welcome back. Welcome back. Hello. Let's see. We have some special Hello. guests here today. Let's let's do all Hello. the introductions. Hello, Ethan. Hey. How's it going? Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> in the zone. In the, in the zone over here. You sure about that? So zoned. So zoned out. All right. Ethan. And of course, Donna. Hello. <laughs> Donna, Hi. instead of introducing yourself, throws the peace sign. <laughs> Hi. So everybody here has got a little bit of a yawn factor going <laughs> on here because apparently we we, we just watched uh, the most yawn-inducing movie of all time. <laughs> I mean, it's a pretty, it's a notoriously yawny movie. You know, it's also the week before Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. there's excuses. Time. No, I think if, if you actually, I bet if you go back in time and and calculate all the people who have ever watched 2001 <laughs> and all the people who have yawned and fall, fallen asleep to it. It is probably the most fallen asleep to a movie of all time. Yeah. It has to be. It has to yeah. be because everybody continues to watch it and it continues yeah. to attract people who fall asleep the first three times they watch it. <laughs> and, and they continue to not know what happens <laughs> in it. So uh, I guess that's a, 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 a new trophy for Kubrick. I don't think anybody's ever really uh, imagined for it. I wonder if it's his most like yawnable film. Most yeah, most slow pace. I, I, the word I use is contemplative. I think that's the word that keeps coming Pensive. to mind. Yeah, uh, you, it forces you to think. You know, uh, yeah. It's it's not it's not for a lazy active a lazy mind. You have to be active. <laughs> or it mind. is. I mean, like you totally can too. Like you can just sit there and fall asleep to it. It's fine. Well, yeah, if you want to use it as that tool, you can. But yeah, it's a perfect visual tool to fall asleep to. Well, yeah, but I don't think that was Kubrick's intent. I think he he probably really? he was probably thinking the exact opposite. <laughs> you think so? I think that you was, think he yeah. was like, oh, this three-hour movie is, is yeah this yeah this will this this will keep the kids awake. This will keep them awake. <laughs> that was his main concern. But, oh yeah, so that was just a tool for adults to watch something <laughs> so the kids will fall asleep so that they can uh, enjoy something different, uh, just some peace of mind while the kids are knocked out. <laughs> Could be. Could be. Yeah, could be. I mean, it's got the visuals of going to sleep. I don't know if it's got the visuals per se. It is what it does have is that it has I think the original uh has maybe 20 pages of dialogue. Yeah. And this one has 10. And it's the <laughs> shots are so long. Yeah, he likes to sit on them in this one. Yeah, he likes yeah, to yeah. sit on those shots. So uh, if it's not terribly obvious, or we are talking about uh, Kubrick's 2001 A Space Odyssey, and it has yeah. come up before a handful of times in, in this podcast and others. Yeah. Um, 
I think uh, I've, I've mentioned a few times myself that uh, of all the movies out there that uh, I feel like are sort of a uh, uh, sacrosanct that you don't want to ever touch, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, this, yeah. this one is on my list. You said most Kubricks are, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, and I think the more we've seen edits, uh, well, we've, we've watched Eyes Wide Shut anyway. That's the uh, only one we've done, right? That's, yeah, yeah, yeah so far. Um I was. I think we learned from watching that that the more you chop away at stuff that looks like excess fat in that movie, the worse yeah. it got. Even yeah. though narratively you didn't lose anything. Um, Let me ask you about that because I want to know if Gato said anything because he interacted with us after the last movie of his that we did. That's true. That's true. No, I haven't gotten a, a, a response from him on that one yet. Dang. But I'm sure it's. A, it's. A, I'm sure it's incoming. I want to talk to him someday. Yeah, we can get him on though. I'm sure he'll do the show. Wow, really? Yeah, why not? <laughs> nice. Can you get uh, Steven Soderbergh? Maybe, maybe. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Looks like he's got a lot of free time on his hands. <laughs> yeah, apparently. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so why why did you bring up his name? Well, Steven Soderbergh, uh, famed director of one of my favorite movies of all time, Syriana, and, uh, and then, of course, Traffic is a huge movie. And, and Babe uh, to Pick of the <laughs> yeah. City. George Miller. And, uh, uh, and a bunch of other movies that are writer. always good uh, <laughs> the guy who did a no not the comic book <laughs> the guy who did a um babes who pig in the yeah, city the is George Williams no he also did, ro- did uh, road did, warrior did, movies did, the oh really you know, the mad maxes he did so the same guy that did a road warrior did we do not need to talk about babe <laughs> to <laughs> pig in the city every freaking uh, time you we love it. <laughs> well a new <laughs> fact comes up every time it's a new fact that i didn't know about yeah no it's an excellent movie anyway uh <laughs> back to this other one that's pretty good too 2001 but why is it so, so good? steven soderbergh among many other things is a fan editor and i guess uh his name makes him the most popular fan editor of all time <laughs> really kind of I mean, oh, I thought it was Bezo. Uh, him and uh, the guy who plays, uh, uh, what's that guy? Topher, Topher Grace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. a fan editor? So check this out. Like, it's hilarious. The Like, if you ever read, if you ever, like, Google fan editing and try to look up the, the topic of fan editing in any, like, mainstream, uh, uh, you know, media coverage of it, yeah. there's always three things that they mention. One, the phantom edit of episode one, which is sort of a thing that could have yeah. launched fan editing. To Topher Grace, who made a fan edit of uh, uh, that seventies show. <laughs> yeah, right. No, he made a fan edit of episode of Star Wars episodes one, two, and three to make Symbiotic it one Spider-Man. movie. And then, um, oh yeah, yeah, but he made his edit, and then he never released it anywhere. So people only know of it. Like he had uh-huh. like a private show. Anyway, this is all that people talk about. And so, <laughs> and then Soderbergh did some uh, fan edit. So that's like every article on on editing. Uh, there's a couple of Star Wars drops in, Stevie, in Steven Soderbergh. So anyway, um, Soderbergh is a fan editor. He's done a handful of edits. He did Heaven's Gate. He's done 2001. Raiders. Raiders of the Lost Ark. In fact, that'd be interesting to see because it's a, my understanding of it is he rescored it with a bunch of Tritton Reznor music. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. And it's black and white yeah he made it black and white as well whoa um he did uh and then we talked about psycho at what point does he play like the like at what point is like indie doing something and he plays that uh i, I wanna, wanna fuck you <laughs> like an animal <laughs> like when does he play that i, I have no idea but it's, i bet it's worth watching it's just probably to find yeah. that scene, only right? the part when like the girl closes her eyes and says i love you yeah it's just like <laughs> i wanna feel you from like the inside, inside. <laughs> it's like running from the ball <laughs> 
so I guess if anybody has enough credibility to open up 2001 and uh, re-edit it, I'm, I think Soderbergh certainly has earned his, earned his keep. And um, he's written a, a, a little bit on his website where you can read up on his... Um, where do you, is that? Where do you get this one from? Is it? Oh well, that is a good question. This one actually happens to be available through the dot uh, fanedit dot info uh, site, but the rest of Soderbergh's edits uh, are typically you can find them on torrents because they're huh. popular, so they're out there. And I think he has a link on his own like, website. Yeah, not for this one. Not for this edit. How's he? Because this one, so th- this edit went up and it started gaining traction. And then Warner Brothers and the Kubrick estate went after him and he posted like a thing on his website and he was like, hey, I don't own this movie, but this was like a passion project edit thing of mine. Uh, And then they contacted him again. He was like, "Okay, sorry, and removed it. Oh, well, well, you can find it at dot info if you're interested. (laughs) So (laughs) and they will be shut down. Screw Warner Brothers. Uh, of course, that highlights the danger of you know fan editing. Is yeah. that on one hand we want it to be popular and accessible, on the other hand we want to not have the, wor- the studios come down and yeah. cut you off at the knees. So R.I.P. What dot CD? We still live in that weird gray zone. There was a movie yeah. that came out um, called Ra- Raising Cain. It's an old uh, Brian De Palma movie, and there was an editor who made a fan edit of it, and. Um, uh, De Palma loved it and said that's the definitive version of the movie. Whoa. And so when uh, Raising Cain came out on Blu-ray a couple weeks back, maybe a month and a half back, uh, you can the fan edit is available oh, wow. in that distribution. So um, hopefully we can, as the community, can maybe okay. come out with some kind of handshake agreement with the studios and how to you know this stuff is. I don't out know there. why yeah, they care. Three million versions of Blade Runner. Know, like, why not throw a couple <laughs> others in the mix? Like, like, the whole thing is, is like, who the fuck's gonna anyway. watch it? I mean, like, at it, the very least, if somebody's interested or hears about an interesting, curious project, they'll watch the fan edit and they'll then, watch both, and then, and then watch the other one. Yeah, so you would think. I mean, the only thing I could see them getting pissed if, if it's like. They start getting around like some legal thing by yes. being like, we removed 12 seconds, so therefore now it's a whole different movie well, and it's you ac- can freely share it. Not to get too off too too off topic, but it, there's, it gets more complicated than that. So, for example, you know, let's say a big company pays to have their product advertised in the movie, and then a fan editor, when they make it, cuts out cuts all out. of those sequences. <laughs> that could be uh, yeah. that could be particularly legally uh, dicey, or if somebody. Um, uh, pays to like I remember back in the day when Heat was made with a uh, with a De Niro and Pacino. There was something in the contracts about them having equal screen time, <laughs> and which is why the the sh- the scene of them at the dining table. There's never a far shot of them both in a in a wide yeah. shot. It's always you know cuts back and forth between yeah. them to give them equal uh, time. Um, <laughs> so uh, if you edited that, technically you would violate that part of the contract. Yeah, you know, yeah. one gets less it's time weird because that's, so. that's actually my contract with doing shows with Ethan. Yeah. Well, you, you have to you have to get the same amount of words that Ethan yeah. gets in. No, I <laughs> always have to get less. Last word. <laughs> yeah, less. So, uh, <laughs> so Steven Soderbergh, uh, uh, to his own to his own admission, has loved and cherished 2001. Has seen it in all the diff- different various forms. He's probably fallen asleep to it. He's probably fallen asleep to it more than he's <laughs> more than anybody else. And. Um, <laughs> 
has decided uh, to remake this movie. It's about 30 minutes uh, shorter than the original. It feels shorter than that or more than that. I I think Uh, it's about 30, 35 minutes. Yeah. Well, according to Internet Movie Database, it is. That's not what I read online. Oh, shit. On really? various yeah. websites. Yes. Oh, shit. Well, uh, well it's debatable. Uh, let's put it there. <laughs> if, if, if I'm going to make a debate out of it, it's debatable. Uh, according to Internet Movie Database, it is 31 minutes uh, cut. So from one hour and 40, uh, 142 minutes down to 111. Uh, either way, still feels long. Yeah. Right? I mean, the shots are still long. Yeah, you like, still I mean, have a whole lot of those. Uh, you marinate in it so much a lot of those uh space shots of the yeah. the slow moving uh spaceships and the fixed camera and the 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 yeah. thing just some, uh, something simple moving in the frame yeah uh, a lot of that is still present um I, what i noticed particularly cut out was um a lot of the a lot of the exposition and like i said like there's literally like 20 pages of dialogue in the movie so to cut out yeah. what little there is it, it really i mean there's probably what 10 pages worth of dialogue in this yeah. whole edit now yeah um so you have to have a, a stomach for that most of that that's cut out is in the bone uh in the um not the bowman sequence but the uh the moon sequence with yeah, uh, with haywood yeah the haywood yeah. stuff is kind of cut there's out. some stuff cut out too on the ship from Earth to the moon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And from the the little circular orbiting spaceship to the moon as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in fact, the music is completely different there. Yeah. I, I think yeah. I think Blue Danube plays in the original, and uh, uh, it's not in this one. But uh, before we get into like the the differences and what this one evokes that the original doesn't. Um, uh, I, I, we've, we've talked about it before, but it certainly deserves some rehashing here. Just like your general thoughts of 2001. Let's let's put that on the table. Uh, I feel like with... Like, I feel like the way that I process movies and the way that I process information, I feel like I like plot is always like the last thing I process. <laughs> so like, I don't remember... Like, if there's something like striking, like visually or something like sound wise i feel like i get distracted and like that's like what i was explaining to you is like is like i could always like explain to you like the feeling i get when watching this movie but if someone like asked me to like do like what's the plot of it i'd be like i don't know they're like in space and the computer gets weird i don't know like but i i I just i really like the way it looks i do you can't get around that. You, I mean, it's like so pretty, and then like all the visual stuff with all like the like monocolor saturation thing. I don't know what you like when something's like red saturated or yellow saturated. Or, right, right. I know you're talking or about. Or like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they do it with the landscapes a bunch in the end. Yeah, 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 yeah. And with the eyeball up front. Yeah, yeah. Um, like that, and uh, like all the. Uh, uh, like when the monoliths like flying past him and everything like all the light the infinity stuff. and beyond sequence yeah 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 yeah. like all the light stuff i just like so much in this movie i don't know every every time i see it again i'm like whoa i forgot how cool this is i feel the same way it's like you get completely lost on how amazing every almost every shot is like you've yeah. never seen that before and it's yeah, seven, yeah it's 50 yeah. years old now or some shit yeah, especially like the uh, the stuff that is like where he does do like the stuff that's not like set stuff. 
you know the stuff that's like actual like film stuff like mm-hmm. like coloring and stuff like that mm-hmm. you know uh i mean because obviously like the sets are insane but like the coloring i'm like always like the stuff that's almost uh it's like watching like visualizers or something yeah i like oh, i just forget how good it is and i watch <laughs> it and i'm like man that's the parts i really like what about you donna uh i i love 2001 it's one of my favorite movies uh i think i've only fallen asleep watching it twice and that was like when i was in high school or middle school or something um but i've probably seen the movie i i don't know more than 10 times for sure easily um but uh i love i love everything about the movie it's great it's amazing it's so beautiful it's just astounding cinematography is like mind-blowing i still don't understand how some of the things are done uh and like you said i mean every time that you watch the movie there's it's not only is there like a new thing that you notice it's like a cool visual thing but there's also like these new shots that i'm just like well how the fuck like how did they do that and there's also like set pieces that I'm just like, why, like what made them think that that was like a thing that should be yeah. here? And mm. I don't know. And in the original movie too, there's like just the, the story is really interesting. And despite being so limited in words is really, uh, I don't know. It's really like rich. I yeah. think I mean, it's big themes. Yeah, yeah. It's complicated. It's really interesting. I just love this movie. It's so great. Yeah, I, 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 I'm one of those guys, too, watched it a handful of times, uh, probably when I was a little too immature, you know, yeah. like three weeks ago. Like me, yeah. <laughs> and uh, fell asleep to it, uh, I don't know, three or four times before I could get through it. Um, still didn't really, I mean, I once I first, one, when I first kind of got through it, I was like, okay, that's kind of cool. And then it would then it'd be like, you revisit it like three or four years later, and I was like, wow, this is actually awesome now i'm thinking about it and then yeah. revisit it again a couple of years after that and it just continues to grow on me and i did uh, uh ended up was able to see it last year um at the paramount they had a 70 millimeter print and uh it's phenomenal just out of your like the sound in the theater with that thing was just yeah crazy like especially like when you're on the moon sequence when the thing finally emits that sound that's, yeah that, that big screeching buzz, noise yeah my God, like the whole theater was shaking. Everybody was like, I mean, like I was really close to putting my <laughs> hands on my ears, feeling like them in the, with the helmets and everything. Like, yeah, yeah. and the crazy sudden jolt of relief when it like immediately yeah. cuts off and goes to the next uh, thing. I love that about Kubrick. He does that in The Shining too. In all of his movies, he does that where it's just like, he takes, like he knows the perfect amount of time for a sound to be like he grows it and it's so intense and then it's like just longer than you want it to be but just past that threshold even and then he just cuts it and it's like silent and it's that like stark contrast is just so beautiful i love it yeah he does it a lot with like the malfunctions and stuff when they're um, Mm -hmm. when their life support's going off it's really like because it goes through like three sequences it goes through like systems failing or whatever and it's like kind of like bah, bah. Bah, bah, and then bah, when it's bah. like oh they're about to die yeah it's like oh god and then when they die it's just like nothing, nothing. but yeah. it's like so long yeah it just shows it and it, oh. it's a murder sequence yeah yeah it's, yeah, fun. it's yeah, amazing yeah, like how yeah. is a fucking asshole he's like murder <laughs> these mother he's a murderer like yeah, bad yeah, guy, yeah. one of the great bad guys <laughs> of all cinema 
I don't know about on this version. Well, what uh, do you mean? <laughs> yeah, uh, not to perhaps. jump right into yeah, it, but no. I'm not sure about no. Illustration. Well, I mean, just in general, how uh, you know he, he's a, he, like he's he's a liar in the, in the original and perhaps in, and in this one, but he's a liar and he kills these people, you know, just completely. Uh, anyway, it's a great sequence, and I don't, you know, even watching it this time around, it, I I don't think the movie gets enough credit for the sound design. Yeah, yeah, it's really good because the if the the ebb and flow of those sound effects like we're talking about where it gets like critically loud and then cutting out and then fading back into a loudness and then cutting yeah. coming back, like that's a that's as much that's as important as all of the visuals are in propelling you know your thought process as you go through this. Thing. I think that that's one of the things that just all of his movies kind of don't get enough. I mean, his movies are like just so visually stunning. The stories are so bizarre and interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're just it's so captivating. All of his films, but I think all of them, everyone misses the sound because. Even in, not to keep going back to The Shining, but The Shining has like some of my favorite sounds in it too, like the trike, the big wheel. Yeah. Like that's yeah, yeah, such yeah. like an Life's iconic and interesting sound. As it goes sound. over the hardwood floor yeah, versus yeah. the yeah. carpet. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. And also about. like that movie too, just like in this one where there's the interesting shot with the rotate. There's so many weird shots with like rotation and the way that people are in the frame and how they move in that space. Yeah. But you have, uh, so there are specific things uh, that were built for the film to get some of those shots. Mm. And the same thing happened in the shining where they actually built like a rig to go in front of Danny's trike so that it was like pulling so that you got the same. So he was equidistance in the frame the whole time. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Which is just like, that's amazing. Yeah, and the yeah. sound is like, that's so... <laughs> I was I was thinking a lot about the sound today when we were watching it. Like, um, uh, the, the like, doubling, the echo. Um, right. I wanted to talk... Obviously, obviously, we have to talk about that. Yeah. Because yeah, uh, I was like, I don't really remember this being that prevalent or that intense. But then I'm like, I forget everything whenever I watch, like, a Kubrick movie. So I don't... I don't remember if it's like uh, supposed to be the sign of the communications malfunctioning or whatever. Yeah. And then maybe I just missed it. But like the thing I was noticing is that like the doubling, like it changes, like the echo, it changes like um, uh, intensity. intensity. So, and it also changes like the time length of the echo. Uh-huh. So like when it makes it like really confusing in your brain where you can't understand any of it, it's a little bit longer. Yeah. And then when it's a little bit shorter, it's like easier to understand. Yeah. But I don't remember that being so prevalent. Was that That's like some weird. weird? My brain works the opposite way. Like I can't understand it when it's shorter, but I can understand it when it's longer. Hmm. Like I can, I don't have an issue Maybe you know what? That's weird. I wonder if maybe that's from doing like barbershop quartet. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> like keeping harmonies independent maybe. in your brain. Yeah, I mean, we can like we can test it because like I've I've used like, like a reverb kind of thing. Well, yeah, you can use like a like a delay, and then you can test to see like because there is like a certain length of time where if you're monitoring yourself, yeah, and, like I put a delay on it. And it'll confuse your brain. Yeah, yeah, if I've you're heard about this. I've heard about this. If you're not yeah. used to it, yeah, it will, it'll stop you where you almost can't even talk. It will stop. Yeah, well, 
it, unless the only way you you can really get around it is if you like do a lot of public speaking and stuff where you're able to well, we've tune done out your it voice for it i don't have a, it doesn't it, it doesn't affect, affect you like it affects me yeah. like it affects me really yeah really like like uh, 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 yeah, like yeah. i start doing that <laughs> yeah and a lot of people do but some people it doesn't affect but I, what, doesn't do what i've noticed me. with me that it has to be longer in order to do it like the yeah. delay time has to be longer yeah yeah and you have to be saying like yeah a full see when sentence. things are shorter i just am like w- i can't that's when it's more more troublesome for you yeah because yeah. i think i can't because there's like the ups and downs of a human voice you know mm-hmm. and i can't like distinguish where the yeah. start and stop is if it's too close together but if it's further apart then it's like okay well i know that this is like it starts at whatever like an f flat or something right. you yeah. know what i mean yeah 2001 for me is the it, it, it's if not the only movie it's certainly one of um that really tries to capture the entirety of the human experience oh, in, sure. in in the most zoomed out format um from you know the very first thing the very first idea that sort of distinguishes homo sapiens from you know cromagnum whatever's yeah. Uh, the 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 discovery of the tool, so to speak. It's such a good scene because uh, it's the one I always stay awake for, all the way through <laughs> to what is our you know our destiny, our place in the universe. You know, so it's like yeah. it's this huge story uh, and well, a huge idea anyway from the sure. of all the mankind story. And then in 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 the process of telling that, it's this story about man and machine and tools and. And our 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 uh, our relationship to them and and the and everything else and I don't agree. Oh man, that's the I this, have a different opinion about what the movie's about. Well, <laughs> this is one of the great <laughs> things about two thousand one is people have entirely different. Uh, the the movie is so thought provocative, thought provoke provo- provoking. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> thought provocative. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Thought provoking that uh, you can't help but have a completely different line of reasoning than the person sitting next to you. There's too yeah. much. There's not enough there to make it. Everybody follows the same path. Yeah. You know, we're all going to come with different results. Uh, and then, of course, the 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 ending, the actual, you know, the in the the living room, de- the bedroom sequence is just yeah. just piles onto that. So everybody's like, you come up with your own shit for what all this shit means, <laughs> you know. Uh, and uh, so. Um, I I love that it 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 uh, I think people I even for myself like depending on how old I am when I go back and watch this I have a different interpretation of yeah. a lot of the different materials there and uh, Donna what is your sort of scope size and scope of this thing get, I have a question oh what's up <laughs> did you ever notice uh, at the beginning when they sit down they have the food uh, and then at the end when he's eating the meal did you ever notice that the foods are the same yeah uh, the no. colors are the same yeah the no, colors are the same. yeah it's he's like always sweet he's like he's always eating like uh like mashed a, sweet potatoes a very interesting observation considering this edit that i that something i i, I reinterpreted this time around was uh, food well, no, I mean, it plays to it. I was going to point out something that I think that this edit introduces that the original doesn't, which I think is fascinating. What is it? Well, um, it bears talking about some of the differences that Steven Soderbergh has done in this edit compared to the original. Um, and Beforehand, because I know this is, <laughs> no, this is going to be a big, like, I, I think I know where you're getting, but I, I sh- doubt it. <laughs> yeah, I also really doubt okay. that. 
I was just going to ask <laughs> what the monolith represented to you guys. Okay, so this is where I'm talking about because I think this in is... In the real one or in this one? Well, okay, I, I got some I got some shit to say. But uh, <laughs> Donna, what do you think the monolith represents in the original for you? Well, okay, this is where I have a difference of opinion to, about what the movie is about because I think that the monolith is alien influence. It's alien intelligence and that's what sparks intelligence uh, throughout the universe Mm -hmm. and so i think like the end sequence the end sequence in the original is weird and i feel like i could argue a lot of different things that it could be and i don't know that i personally am like 100 percent set on what it is okay like i feel like every time i watch it my idea kind of changes it's it's always like within the same like 12 different things that i think that it could be but it's like it shifts depending on my mood or whatever Mm -hmm. um but yeah i think that the i think the monolith is it's alien it's art it's alien intelligence and it's the spark that moves that gives us intelligence so it's what moves us to the next thing so Mm -hmm. like the first introduction would be the introduction of uh whatever monkeys primates or whatever yeah, like yeah. being able to use tools and start having like cognitive thought right um and then like i don't know this gets like too much into like some of where the differences are with this movie but uh like the beginning sequence once it switches to humans there's like a portion on that plane ride with the stewardess and like she gives him the pen back and then she walks back to her seat and she sits down and she's like watching like a fighting thing like sumo or like yeah that rings a bell karate or some shit and so it's like the bringing back like this point of like well humans aren't done fighting yeah they're still stupid yeah like they're still primal and disgusting beings uh, and then it's like they're pushing, trying to push through this. So then they create artificial intelligence and mm-hmm. then that pushes man to the brink. And so like, is the end the end of the man or is the end the end of the machine mm. imagining the end of the man? Mm. Like is the machine or whatever the AI, is that like the continuation of intelligence and that's what the evolution is? Mm-hmm. Or is it the death of man or being able to like be go beyond the death of man and become like whatever the star child baby thing? Yeah. I don't know. No, it's uh, that's uh, I think that's I think most people would agree that that's kind of what the most people would ballpark that that's kind of what the monoliths are in the original. Um, Arthur C. Clarke, um, who wrote the novel in tandem with Kubrick as they, as they wrote the screenplay uh, wrote the monoliths as devices that aliens threw out uh, at different, you know, solar systems or whatever in great quantities with the expectation that if intelligent life ever found them, they would know that they came from something else that was also intelligent. And then they could follow them to the uh, originators um, to them. Uh, I don't know if in Arthur C. Clarke's novel, the 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 monolith helps spur the creativity of the of the apes because that's what it does in this movie or in in both in the original and in this one which i think is i love that idea that the monolith is there and the fact that it's there makes them think just it it triggers that it's just that one little thought process like something is out there and it's it's different and it it 
it's it's it just opens up the 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 oper- uh, it's like the well, it's like Catalyst. you know the, yeah it's like you know it's like the idea when you know finally somebody runs a mile under four minutes and now everybody can do it it just triggers that idea mm-hmm. thought yeah. process and that's what leads to the guy uh, the, the ape with the bones when i was when i first watched the movie like when i was in middle school high school or whatever i thought that the <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ that scared the <laughs> shit out of me I thought that the uh, um, I thought that the monolith was like alien but also like represented like the Rosetta Stone uh. because the Rosetta Stone also had that effect because there's uh. segments of different language on it mm. and mm. it's like it takes place in Africa like the beginning of the movie mm-hmm. so like it could feasibly be that I guess when I was like you know, younger. Yeah, yeah. Or whatever. You think it's Africa in the beginning? It is. Yeah, yeah. It's the oh yeah confirmed it it Africa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it says Africa. Yeah, that's what the I didn't says. catch that. So, um, <laughs> sorry, I'm not an expert, guys. So, talking about the differences <laughs> between this one and um, and the this edit in the original, um, one of the things that this has, but not as much of, um is the uh, the opening sequence in the original, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it gets really close to starting off with the uh, the, the Osprog Zarathustra theme, theme and then showing the, the alignment of the planets. And then I think it cuts to um, the, mon- the, the Africa sequences. Um, and then when the monolith is revealed, it shows that scene, that, that other shot of the... Um, the, you know the monolith, and then the the spherical objects uh, uh, in front of it, as if it's you know recreating those alignment. Wait, what did you call the first scene? That's what Zarathustra. That's the. That's da, like a da, song. Da, uh, da, da. I'm sorry, I don't know any yeah. of these things. I was like, <laughs> the only thing I know is that thus was uh, Zarathustra's like Nietzsche. Yeah, Short yeah, the story. name of that Strauss yeah. piece is yeah. called Allsprog Zarathustra. The big. Sorry, I wasn't trying to say it like you fucking God, idiot. Yeah. I was just, but anyway, you know, maybe if you'd listen to more fucking classical music when I, I play, so just this, bitch about it. What this uh, <laughs> completely out of my wheelhouse, and I'm dealing with two autistic people. Like, <laughs> wow, okay, you know what? That's so, rude to intelligence. Shame. One of the things that uh, that that Soderbergh adds to this edit, uh, as opposed to just removing, is in the opening shot of the movie is the howl uh red uh, the, uh, the red eye of yeah, howl yeah. staring at you at the very beginning uh, and then it's black it, you have the owl <laughs> howl shot and then it yeah. cuts back to black and then you have the shot of bowman's eyes in the different colors yeah. and then it cuts back to howl again and the very opening of of this edit introduces the the ai and periodically throughout the movie in places that Kubrick doesn't use, he throws that image back in of Hal and the all seeing eye in this sense, even at the very, very, very end. He yeah. throws that in there as the star child is rotating, uh, looking at the earth. He throws in that eye shot one more time. And uh, watching this for the first time, I, I always assumed or not always assumed. Well, yeah, I always assumed that the monoliths were, were alien in nature. But in this edit, it was the first time I had the idea, or that that it was, there are no aliens, that it's all AI that's sending it out there, and it's the tools themselves that are starting to uh, that have reached out to start this, pro- this process. Ugh, I hate that idea. 
And uh, uh, that one's scary. Well, it's just that there's the. It's not that it like came back in time or anything, but there's a that AI is the thing that it's kind of funny was that you just mentioned is that AI is the thing that outlives everything, and yeah. exists, and uh, uh, and that's what tr- and and that's the the origins of the monolith and so forth. So, um, and that's solely interpreted for me in this edit just because of where Soderbergh inserts this shot of Hal. Um, and uh, when he puts the shots of Hal at the very beginning, it 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 for me it adds this this it feels it feels evil. The big giant red you know circle doesn't feel like you know warm and cozy. It feels evil. Yeah. So even when Hal is first introduced and we're t- in, uh, in the Bowman sequence and we learn that it's you know it's never been wrong. It plays chess. It monitors people's like. There's a suspicious suspicion already there for me. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. not in the original. For me, the original he doesn't become suspicious until after he has the conversation with Bowman about uh, you know I think that uh, there's some things wrong about this mission you know and then he reports a thing being broken and everything else. That's when everything like now he's suspicious from then on out. Well, it doesn't mm-hmm. help that there's also the removed scene where he's talking with his daughter. Yes, that's a that's the the Haywood sequence is drastically cut down. Yeah. So the Haywood sequence is uh, when he the the first character gets you know he goes on the thing and it goes to the moon. It ends with him at the moon, uh, and then the moon thing doing its loud noise thing. But yeah, there's a whole bunch of shots um, of Haywood in that sequence that are removed. One is there's a conversation where he's in the like elliptical area. Of the centrifugal area and he has a sitting down and some like some old friends come up and talk to him about why are you here or there's a bunch of secret stuff something's going on with the moon what's going on and he plays like he can't tell him yeah so there's that scene um there's another scene where there's like a debriefing scene that's we get the beginning yeah. of it where the yeah. guy's taking the camera shots out, yeah. then he walks out and instead of getting the actual debriefing scene it just cuts yeah um, I like those scenes I think they're well written I like I like in the original anyway yeah but uh, but uh, but Soderbergh is right. You don't need them because everything ultimately is conveyed in this movie. You just have to yeah the big overarching sweeping yeah because you learn at the very very end during the death of Hal you know where it does that and we discovered the monolith it's alien in nature it's pointing to Jupiter and and that's why we're here that's 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 technically redundant in the original because that's what's said in those briefing sequences early in the movie. Um, so, uh, he removes those. And then there's another scene where Haywood, like you said, uh, plays with like an iPad and talks to his, uh, daughter on earth or is having a birthday or something. I forget what the Mm. the origins are of that. And then there's another scene where he's like, I remember him looking at the, the instructions of uh, how a toilet works. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of, uh, Kubrick saying this is, this is more realistic kind of space travel stuff. Mm-hmm. Whereas back in the day when this stuff was coming out, I mean, people were, you know, f- lasers were flying around airships were you, there was a very unrealistic approach of how space would be depicted in movies. And so he was really leaning into, let me show a real, something that's real, has a lot of truth in it or potential truth anyway. And, uh, and I think, uh, Soderbergh, when he removes that stuff, it doesn't hurt. And I don't think it hurts it all that much um, because that stuff is more just to, I don't know, there's a word like a, the, how, how something feels true and real. It's called, it's a fancy word, ver- verisimilitude. But uh, you don't need that so much now. I think because we've come a long way and we understand a lot more about space travel, more familiar with all this yeah. stuff, that all that stuff really isn't all that necessary. So I think, I think Soderbergh removing it was just fine. 
Um, the but uh, but the inclusion of the the eye shots and the other shots of Hal throughout the thing, I, I think it does create a different kind of tension, and it shows that Hal, literally and figuratively, is somehow important over the whole scope of man from the beginning into the end and uh and I, I, that's a different take on the material that i don't think uh kubrick had originally intended yeah i i don't like that i think it's i think it's weird and i don't think i can give it a fair assessment because of my personal bias and just how many times i've seen the movie uh but i think that like having all of those shots of hell like really totally changed the movie tonally yeah Yeah. and not just in the way that you're talking about but it's like it makes the movie about hell entirely and not about the man which is fine if that's the step that you're trying to make in the end sequence which is that ai either the ai is the alien uh, being or that AI is the next logical prog- progression of uh, intelligence or whatever of humanity of evolution, mm-hmm. but I think where it gets messed up is that there's like a there's like a step that's missing there, mm. or it's like it takes too long to get there, and then the end is still weird that there's still like a human in it if it's more AI heavy. You know what I mean? I I don't know. There's like a connection that's missing for me. Based off what you were saying earlier um, and with the food, for example, uh, I my interpretation this time around was when he was in that bedroom that the AI was generating that room for him, for his benefit. Right. I've thought that in the past, though, watching yeah. the original movie. Because, like, at the at that point, it's like, well, it could go either way. Because, I mean, he's going to die. Like, yeah. he's not just going to fucking, like, live in this spaceship or whatever forever. Yeah. Like, he's going to run out of food or oxygen or who knows what the fuck. Right. So, like, is this... When does the end sequence take place in relation to the death of both of these beings? Because they've been in the original film, they've both been established as humans or beings at that point. You know Mm -hmm, what I mean? mm -hmm. So like is the end what like Hal wants to project to him? Is that like he'll grow old and he'll be safe and he lives in like this decadent house or whatever? Yeah. Or is the end like what he is imagining is happening as he's getting closer to the aliens or as his brain is becoming more deprived of uh, nutrients <laughs> and, and he's seen video. this video that's telling him yeah like hey there's this intelligence ship blah 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 blah. you know what i mean yeah and and i always interpreted the reason it's first time for me to think that is because i always interpreted when when we the death of hal happens that's the death of hal and we don't see him ever again in the original mm-hmm. yeah. and so i did figure well it's just straight up aliens you know and they're like you know throw him through this portal thing and they're gonna bring him over here and um and then at some point at the end of the the light show, uh, it, it's just it just it just leans so pure metaphorical, like a dream sequence, mm-hmm. that it's just completely open to interpretation as to what things mean and what they don't mean. And we're not really talking about a real space that somebody's in. And uh, I think there's still room to interpret it that way. But it's a different idea, I think, to say that well, maybe either the aliens or the AI is uh, generating the room. Because if the food looks and looks the same and it's the same as before, I can I can imagine like a futuristic howl going. Well, that's what they're used to eating, so let's feed them that. 
Well, that also you know? could be what he thinks, though, as a human being that's only eaten that for however, for however long, long he's been. Yeah. 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 See, you, can't, specific, you can't lock this shit yeah. down. Well, and the specific <laughs> difference, too, or like to that argument is that the other dude is eating a different meal. So uh, there's yeah, obviously yeah. a preference in what you're like the garbage gloop that you're eating on <laughs> yeah, these ships. And yeah. this guy's preference is to, but that also plays back into hell because he obviously has Knows. a deeper connection with that dude rather than yeah. dead guy. I, I always like, I keep like, I don't know why, but I keep like throughout when like this time, I never really did it before, before I would always like kind of just fall assume asleep. like, m- yeah, fall asleep. But uh <laughs> assume like monolith to be kind of like the alien sort of thing like how you're saying but like this time for some reason i i, I read it as like a i don't know why i don't know if it's the editor just my headspace right now or or all the cough medicine i ate or, <laughs> um but uh, like i was thinking about it a lot like uh like it's god yeah you know or you know the an idea of god an idea of like a neutral god not like a not like a uh, one that gives uh, a shit about a, your sins. Yeah, like not a not an e- yeah, like a one that one that is um, uh, it's not evil and it's not good. Yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. like a creator mm-hmm. sort of thing. I don't know because because I mean because isn't that what aliens are? Well, yeah, <laughs> I mean that's that's how you can say it, and that's where <laughs> I'm kind of like that's where like in my head i'm like that's why i've been like kind of just battling about the whole time is like well maybe i'm just like i mean maybe at that point it's like a label thing you know but then i'm like also like thinking you know i don't know i just because like what you were saying if it if it if it is of ai you know i don't know i i it just wouldn't seem fair that way i guess I don't know. Oh, you it, think it, it kind of dilutes the 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 because I the think theme, it needs the to be theme of it. Well, yeah, because I think like the monolith needs to remain this kind of neutral thing that yeah. like sparked stuff, and then like well, also like at the end, like after after he dies or or goes back to being a child, he's like it's it it envelops everything. Like as as like a womb child thing, it mm-hmm. it becomes like bigger than everything in the movie. It's like the biggest thing in the movie is this the star like, child, star child. Well, yeah. along like that line of thinking, the character, the human being character, has to die because then he's gone beyond what the god figure is because he's made intelligence, like he's yeah. made humans then. So it's like the chain is fucked up at that point. So like, just like from like a hero's story perspective. When did he make? Well, because humans made artificial intelligence, Hal. And that is what made them go beyond. But because Hal sabotaged the mission or whatever. Yeah. And now this guy is fucked. The one that could say like, hey, like Hal is the one that fucked this up. Like we can't continue to make like artificial intelligence or like work down this path or whatever. Because that fray of where the story could go is cut off then that means regardless of that humans have already surpassed now they are gods because yeah. they've created, created yeah, yeah right yeah. and so, so it's like, like a pass down so god has to or whatever the monolith represents if it's god or higher intelligence or whatever some authoritative being being has to then kill the creature because it's surpassed yeah. itself well it is just like, like bowman it, kills hal yeah, yeah. 
Interesting. And it is like what he's looking at. I mean, it's the last thing he looks at when he's and alive. And he wants to touch it just like he, yeah. you know, just like the, uh, just like um, uh, Haywood did, and just like the apes did. Yeah. yeah. There's something about that tech, the the tactile. Well, there's there. like yeah. a sound though too, like in the yeah. ape sequence, like when they <laughs> touch it, they yeah, yeah it's like, uh, but also it's like they jump back too, yeah. like it's yeah, they always like cats do that. It's like yeah. a very animal thing, but yeah. like animals like will touch like, things touch it, like, and then and yeah, and they if they're like I'm unsure about yeah. this and they pull back really quickly or whatever. Well, I guess yeah. I am still like trying to sparse out like if it were like. Okay, so if it is like, like why, why would it be like? How would it be different if it's representative of an alien versus a god versus yeah, like like what argument would you make for it being an alien, and what argument would you make for it being a god? Or are they just the same thing with different? labels uh, well i mean if you it depends on how far you want to stretch your metaphor um i mean if you uh, strictly speaking it's probably if you, you want to say it's not god because god is not something that really physically interacts with the universe it's something that's more esoteric yeah um but if you want to so in that sense if there's actually something if we walked around and if we went landed on the moon and found a giant you know rectangular monolith under the ground underground yeah we'd probably go this is not from god this is from an alien so there's a yeah, there's a there's a direct line of trying to uh, say it's just straight up. If you just say alien, I think that solves a lot of problems, <laughs> so to speak. Yeah. But yeah. metaphorically, uh, it's it's very tempting to go. Well, maybe this is just the, the maybe the monolith simply represents the just the even concept of a higher power. Yeah, yeah, yeah God, yeah. Godhead, because maybe that is the defining thing that changes. So maybe, um, a, maybe, a, yeah, maybe you know, it kind of, man. yeah, maybe it kind of even makes it. I don't know, like well, less as less of a specific thing. If you're calling it a godhead, maybe yeah. then calling it an alien. I don't know. To me, the distinction is uh, in line with what I was just saying, which is that if it's God, then God, like God, can't. I don't know how to put this. Like I think the I don't know what I'm saying right now. I think that there's like limitations after the interaction with the the monolith. So it's like again, like a god can't have something surpass it. Yeah. And also like can't like it could have always existed in these areas and it was only until something found it. Yeah. I guess whereas like an alien could like put something there in the idea that something would find it. So like yeah. uh, if life already existed in Africa, then yeah. it could be dropped there and it's like a toy or like an experiment of like, okay, well let's see like if these things are going to interact with it and then where it goes. And so then let's drop one on like the next closest thing, which would yeah. be the moon. Cause yeah. it'll definitely find that. And then what's the next closest thing from there? Yeah. And then, and like I said, it, oh, it, so you're saying it's like cookie crumbs or something. Yeah. But it's yeah. also like, it's not it's also pushing them forward to like yeah. ensure that they're getting to like the next position that they need to be to continue along this path. Yeah, yeah. Whereas I think with like a God thing, it 
it wouldn't be like a thing of stringing them along, I guess. Yeah. Speaking strictly from the science fiction element, uh, I do I do remember reading uh, about Arthur C. Clarke's interpretation of the monolith because to him it was a very pragmatic thing. Yeah. It was if you're an alien, if you're a species and you want to find out if there's alien life in a particular solar system, you don't know where that life is. You don't know where, if and when it could ever arise or if it ever rose before. Uh, what planet or moon it's going to be on without sending a bunch of you know probes out there and whatnot. So Arthur's, Arthur C. Clarke's idea was, well, you just throw these monoliths out there. Some are going to hit a planet. Some are yeah. going to hit a moon. Some are just going to go right by. Yeah. And um, provided that they're there and discoverable, that's all you need. Eventually, they'll, people will follow the bed cr- breadcrumbs back to your civilization. Um, it's very and, Sailor Moon, and it, and it's and I, to me that kind of to me that kind of ruins the magic of what the monolith is because in Kubrick's in the movie it's it's grander. We're talking about these yeah. giant ideas that the monolith isn't simply a monolith; it's a, it's a, a metaphor of ideas and concepts, yeah, yeah, which I think is much richer than I think what the maybe the book uh, had. I don't know. Maybe mm. that's right though, because like in a, I feel like in a real world scenario like let's say that like we had the ability to like go to the moon and we had like a lunar base or something and could like be there for an extended period of time and interact with this thing right so it's like it's not like it's just fucking in Africa or whatever but like it's on the moon but we have like the same basis of technology so we go to the moon you don't think that people would be or whoever that's allowing this operation that's manning this operation you don't think that they would be like okay well if this guy touches it or whatever like how long can we like be near this thing and like what are going what's the effect going to be and if you see like a like a gradual change in this person's intelligence so you think they would be like okay great well now these people need to like stay by it for like an extra long time oh yeah i'm sure there was all kinds of scientific <laughs> you know tests to figure out what it is or where it came from or its origins or what what's a what effect it would have on people it doesn't seem eye. like it's at that point yeah. though in the movie no, like in no. the movie it just seemed like, like oh it's well, pointing towards jupiter it. go towards like, jupiter it's, yeah. it's making a it's, it's sending out a single radio signal towards uh, jupiter yeah, yeah and it's just like we just dug it up. I don't know. Yeah. So I guess check that out. I do, I do kind of like the idea of both of them, though. Like, I like the idea of, of both of those, like, uh, ideas working because, like, you have it being, like, you know, it's this, like, giant thing that, like, sparks consciousness. Like, yeah. it's the thing that sparks consciousness and, uh, and like, evolution in mm-hmm. the film. But it, it like, but then it's also it's just like uh, what sparked consciousness and evolution. It's just like this everyday thing. It's also <laughs> like it's also everywhere. the th- yeah. It's also the thing that it's supposed to be out there just to find it, not necessarily cause it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Look for intelligence, not to f- cause intelligence. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Kubrick could have shot this thing differently so that it gave the impression of what Arthur C. Clarke was imagining. If, for example, when the monolith uh, first appears to the apes, it's it crashes into the ground, creates a loud noise, and is like you know under it some rocks or whatever, or they come across it and it's just half buried and you know fallen over and everything. Yeah. But the fact that Kubrick stands it up so you know it clearly looks perfect. right next to it, yeah. it, it looks it's too it's too uh it's, it's too, too like holy it's looking too pla- yeah too yeah. holy same thing with well, the that's like stonehenge is like that too though yeah but it's yeah. placed there it's not it's like unless it's so you think stonehenge perfect. fell out of the sky dude i'm just saying how did it get there dog what you know more than scientists i doubt it 
the model of even on the moon is perfectly you know yeah, vertical it's so it's not like it had landed and crashed yeah, so, it looks like a, every time i see it flying i mean it's just like looks like an iphone so that's yeah, what I, I know. so the point is that kubrick kubrick introduces the idea that it's not just this uh you know, uh, breadcrumbs for from a, a different civilization that it, it means something else. That it has purpose. I mean, it seems like it, it has, has like such like a yeah, like but if it's it, but an it's everyday almost, thing, but it, it starts to it starts to edge on divine. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It gets placed there right in front of those apes, right in front of that cave, without waking them up. Yeah, perfectly facing them. You know. Yeah, that's the big thing. It doesn't make any noise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, um. Just to touch, uh, you know, because uh, just to touch a little bit more uh, about Soderbergh's edit, um, there's a few lines of dialogue uh, that are are removed, and um, one of the things that this doesn't have is it doesn't have the opening overture that the original has. It also yeah. doesn't have the intermission. Um, oh, yeah. The play, the intermission in the original happens um, when uh, Hal is reading their lips. Oh yeah. Now, one thing that's interesting in this one is they they lock themselves in the pod bay in the pod bay. And uh, Hal is reading their lips, but the co- but the camera doesn't go back to the pod to show them what they're talking about. Yeah. In the original, it cuts back to them, and they're talking about, okay, well, we're going to go test this thing out. If it doesn't work out, we're going to shut down Hal. Yeah. Now, uh, instead, in this one, it just cuts to um, the other guy in the yellow suit, you know, going to swap that, that piece out, and then the thing turns and kills him. Um and so when he when Bowman collects the body and comes back, he says, "I read your lips. You said you were going to turn me off." And Bowman's reaction is, "Fuck, <laughs> yeah. that's exactly what we were going to do." Yeah. And uh, in this edit, because we don't get that scene, we sort of retroactively learn about that conversation. And yeah. because of Bowman's reaction, we understand that that's really what happened. That's yeah, the truth. Yeah, yeah. So that's some really interesting editing that uh, uh, that that Soderbergh introduces there because it cuts down on narrative, but we still get the point. You still get the later point later on, yeah. yeah. And it makes it a little bit more interesting because, like, you uh, you must start sympathizing with him um, feeling excluded and having like weird, He's totally human, trapped, yeah, human feelings, you know, because like you see you see it from his point of view really they give you some dialogue they cut back into it briefly but it's not really important dialogue all, all the dialogue says is uh in this one is uh well he certainly can't hear us now yeah 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 yeah, yeah that's, that's it. The end of it yeah um we talked about it earlier but i think it bears uh revisiting um cuz i think to me it's the one thing that i really disliked about this edit was when they're in that first when they're in that big uh centrifugal like uh, room uh, yeah. that's spinning uh there's that echo that echo is oh not in the God, original I yeah hated it. and what why happened? so I, I i i at first i was like trying to figure out why why is soderbergh adding the echo and i'm like <laughs> okay okay they're in a big circular kind of room maybe they his, would have thought about that the engineers definitely would have been like this motherfucker echoes, echoes like a bitch we <laughs> need to put some padding on the wall <laughs> we're gonna have to shut this off or it's gonna drive everyone insane and i thought like okay well the hal must be on one side because when it talks and they're in and the cameras in the other area it echoes really badly so i figured whenever the camera's close to the hal it's not gonna that, echo i thought that too for a moment yeah. but then it changed then it violates that rule like, right? okay never mind yeah. yeah yeah and so and then there's 
there's never any time later in the movie where Soderbergh is playing with the echo effect uh-uh. to kind of imply like this is a mirroring this scene to kind of point out like this is like some I'm not just saying that it's echoey I'm saying like there these two things are correlated like trying to build like an audio metaphor but that uh, never happens it, no it falls it doesn't it's do anything really weird and very upsetting to me I think yeah. what it is is that they just got on the ship or maybe just woke up or something and oh. so it's like the fucked the up feeling of trying, trying to, to adjust to. i think that's what it was i don't know it's it, i mean it can be that it, it, like the one thing it doesn't make sense i'm i'm sorry real quick sense. it doesn't yeah. make sense because it's not just like we're talking about how it's on hal a lot but it's not just on hal no, it's also everything. on the guy too the, guy. the whole and, sequence happens when they're doing the interview with the the the, the, the some of the journalist on and Earth. they're eating right. the food right and right. when but he they have gets a transmission echoes. from his family so yeah. who's even hearing the echo I, f- I like I have, to, I have to I have to imagine that wherever the camera is, that's an echo point, yeah. and so it, you're supposed to be able to tell th- where things are in that space based off the echo. It does it, not give you spatial no. recognition. No, because yeah, it violates really it over and over again. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I don't. I do not understand I was that. Not, I the was one not thing that's that. what I the was w- like looking at all this shit online because I was trying to see like yeah. if anyone could explain that, and just no one talks about it. I, that's so the, weird. Like the only okay, so I was like. Okay, maybe he's trying. I don't know. Like maybe he's trying to signify that one of their communications things was going down. Yeah, you said Be- that earlier, which I like that idea. But it That's still doesn't work because, like, the only way it would work because, like, astronauts wouldn't be like pieces of shit like me, where it's like, where it's like, oh, it's like hella echoey in here. This thing's probably broken. It's okay. I'll sit in it for a minute. Like that's what I would, you would do. Immediately address. It. I would just try to get used to it. Oh uh, no! But, but they but would. But they wouldn't. It. They because they're astronauts and yeah, they're yeah, like, yeah. oh shit, we're in space. We don't have anything else to do. What, Our audio's things. fucked up. We should probably fix it. <laughs> right. I mean, and that's what they do immediately after. But I mean, like, since they don't address it, because the echo's like not addressed by anyone in the film. It just happens. No. Yeah. So you like you're sitting there trying to figure out why it's happening. Yeah, it's really and distracting. It's, yeah, it's, it's not like a subtle thing that that Soderbergh is adding no, just to kind of give that room space. Some lines but it's of extremely dialogue, extremely distracting. Some yeah. lines of dialogue you can't even hear. I don't understand the like. I I don't know if maybe he because I thought also for a minute like maybe he's just trying to like mirror the trippiness of like the end of the movie. Right. That's what but I like was it also too. isn't. Uh, it's but, not really that trippy. And no. it doesn't make sense because it happens too late into the beginning of the film that it doesn't. It's yeah. not mirroring anything. And it's yeah. too. It's too short. I mean, like it. It. It well, only. It's ha- too long and too. Short. It's too long <laughs> and too. Because like when you're watching it, I was thinking like this is this all the di- all the dialogue in the movie is going to be like this. Like no. Yeah, I looked don't. at yeah, you yeah. and I was just like, uh, no. I think yeah. it might be fucked up. It only happens in that one space. In that one space. It's so but it weird. makes you think it's going to happen forever. Yeah. But then like the other thing too that I was thinking is like cuz they do do they do the they do-do. like uh like a like a space like realist stuff where it's like where it's like when they cut to the um when he has to manually go back into the bay and they yeah, cut yeah, to the yeah. exploding screws yeah. and you don't hear the noise because you wouldn't hear the noise because there's no sound and yeah. then like the only thing i was thinking was like maybe for a minute he's like oh this is scientifically how it would sound in space but then i'm like uh, why would they do that they wouldn't do that they would they would figure out 
They put padding on the wall. Yeah, they would do something so it wouldn't sound like that. Yeah, so you could actually talk to the person next to you. Like, I couldn't figure out a reason. The only, only, like, the closest thing to, like, something tangible was that it's supposed to signify the communication stuff going on. The only thing that, like, I could feasibly make sense of is that they're having, like, some kind of... That it's from the main character's perspective and he's having some kind of like auditory issue from like taking off i don't know because like i have the that point is like any idea we come up with is not gonna work it's not yeah, yeah it's just well gonna be i mean like i have Which is issues why you shouldn't when, have it like when i fly if i get off a plane and my ears still like clogged from the pressure like i can't no. hear out of my ear i would i would be i would i could potentially lean into that if if we but had known like that muffling. he was awake like he had just woken up but yeah. that's not what happened like he's been he's been in there and he's well, been awake everything's been fine yeah. and then he doesn't like play to it it's but like no a, yeah. one's interacted with him in the amount of time that we know in this edit for fact that he's been awake. Well, I think they specifically say that the other the other crew members were asleep and have been asleep when they got on the thing. But they but did. they don't say how long that's been. Yeah, well, it's tr- eighteen months. Eighteen months. At yeah, least eighteen months. I don't think that they say. I don't think that they spe- specifically say that the crew members have already been asleep x amount of time. That this so we don't know. How, what you're saying out. is we don't know how how long Bowman and what's his name have been awake. Right. So I it's like if her. they just took off or whatever, and well, he. It's certainly like long enough through. for them to do that interview <sighs> where every line of dialogue is supposed to be a seven minute delay. Yeah. So. <laughs> and like, that's not how you do an interview like that. How you do an interview is you would send one message that had all the questions yeah. and then you would yeah, record, record all the one. questions. You just, you just record responses and then send yeah. it back and then cut it together. Yeah. Anyway. I don't know. Can I talk about something sort of unrelated to this movie is there a 2001 video game i don't know about no (laughs) that's rude what are you saying right now what's up i think like a while ago like when interstellar came out i think Uh, you and i got into a fight about uh, it because i was like fuck this movie it makes me really angry because it's the poor man's uh 2001 and watching this edit i was like man interstellar is the poor man's 2001 dude i watched interstellar like a couple weeks ago just to Uh, give it a second chance it's awful yeah i hate that movie it's just a bad bad movie i hate it I just it, I make, it breaks my heart that there's a possibility that there's like kids that think that like that's, that's the, the pinnacle. That's the pinnacle of science fiction. Yes. Did you see Arrival yet? I did see Arrival. Did you like it? Did y'all see it? No. No. We, no, no. Yeah. we wanted to see it during Fantastic Fest. Yeah. But yeah. I, I'll, I'll hold off on spoilers. For yeah, me. but I've been hearing good things. You should see it. Yeah. yeah. I've been hearing. A, I want to see it really bad. Uh, yeah. in, Interstellar. I've heard, I've heard about the ending a little, but. Interstellar, uh, one of the things that. I, I, there's a lot of different things that really frustrated me about it, but if you want to put it all in one moment. There's the scene where they're about to approach the black hole on uh, next to Saturn, I think it is. And um, the guy's like, oh, it's kind of spherical. And he's like, well, yeah, it's, it's a black hole. And he's like, and he kind of looks like, and then the guy pulls out a piece of paper and he's like, let me show you how a black hole works. And he like draws a little circle and it's like, this is one point and here's another point. Now, normally the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. But. But this time, he folds a piece of paper, he sticks the pencil through, but with the black hole, you can jump right through. And I'm just like, motherfucker's an astronaut. Yeah. 
on a astronaut going to a black hole. You don't think somebody sat him yeah, down and explained this, like, this shit to him? Like you're gonna get to you're gonna explain it to him thirty yeah. seconds before flying into a black hole, really? Yeah. And it's like the 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 complete. You have to think about a that scene being written, b being performed, c not being edited out. Yeah, you know, and like all of these things in there, and that just goes to show that Christopher Nolan, in in including that scene in the movie, had so little faith in the audience. Yeah, to to I, go along with this trip that he had to fucking turn the characters into complete idiots for yeah. what is supposed to be the audience's benefit because it's a complete it sacrifices everything we know about the characters yeah. to yeah. make to have that scene in there and the fact that it's there just there's a whole bunch of other problems but they're all they're all tied not they're not tied to that problem but they're all self-evident by the fact that that thing exists just like show them in college learning that or something you don't show it or at all because if you've it. seen every any movie <laughs> that has a spaceship how. going into a wormhole, there's like some guy with the piece of paper and the <laughs> pencil through it showing you how it works. Golly. Uh, so annoying. Yeah, I mean, like 90% of s- drama or like serious space movies fucking suck. That's what it makes. Yeah. That's one. That's like the least important reason why 2001 is... An and how, it's just, movie. It just blows yeah. my mind. How, like you would think that there would be so many rich science, fi- space stuff. That'd be so. Like how many movies do we get? We get we get Moon, we get yeah. Solaris, we get Two Thousand One. Robinson Crusoe uh, on Mars. Yeah, <laughs> Robinson Crusoe's on Mars is good. Right. Yeah, that movie yeah. rolls. You get Planet we're of the not, Apes. We're not. Solaris is we're not amazing. gonna. We're not gonna break Solaris ten if we really start good. naming this stuff. We yeah, won't break no. ten. Times. That's pretty possible. Yeah. yeah. Prometheus. <laughs> Prometheus, <laughs> the Bezo fan at it. <laughs> Two. Nah, you, yeah, Prometheus, you, that other guy that we were going to do an interview yeah, with, it did, blew us the off. Other, the he other time nice, Bezo nice made me watch Prometheus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I need to rewatch Moon. I always get those, like when they do the eye scenes and like them, like kind of flying into the planet and everything. Mm-hmm. I always am like, oh man. Because I've walked in on it before, like on that scene to be like, oh, "Are you watching Moon?" And I'm like, "Wait, you know, this is 2001." Uh, <laughs> and then every time I see it, it's like, oh, "I want to watch Moon again." I haven't yeah, seen Moon's Moon in good. so long. We man. just watched it like last year. I remember. Wow. Yeah, I remember a feeling. What is there. going on? Is like, have you guys? Three helicopters flew over my work today. <laughs> it's like there's there's a narc there's a narc raid going I, on. Here, I I swear to God, like I'm sorry, this is like really deviating the off day. the path. But yeah, yeah. I swear that since Trump got elected, there have been so many more like helicopters Aerial. and airplanes and shit. Like yeah. I swear to you, huh. it's increased like tenfold. Yeah. <laughs> it's because finally, uh, you know, the skyways are safe. <laughs> <laughs> so now all the people who wanted to go yeah, in a helicopter plane is like fly, i'm not flying in this movie. obama administration <laughs> <laughs> so anyway uh i think that i think we've said a lot about 2001 we've said a lot about soderbergh's yeah. edit here i think uh i think his edit is uh is really interesting I, i'm i think yeah. it is a i think for the most part anybody um uh, I'll, I'll say this outside of the echoing thing um, if this was the movie that was released in in 1964 or whatever, I think it would still be considered yeah. um, a revolutionary masterpiece. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't think uh, his edit tramples on Kubrick, and I don't think um, 
I don't think uh, his additions um, harm the movie. I think it adds some more in- interesting stuff to it. Uh, the but um, with with that being said, uh, you know this or that. I, I think I would, of course, you know you, everybody has to see Kubrick's two thousand one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think this is a very interesting edit that uh, um, is worth checking out. Yeah, I agree. I, I you know. It's- also, you can watch 2001 in two hours. <laughs> uh, some of my favorite parts are missing from this one, though. I I like I would say if you feel like you're a big fan of 2001 and how yeah. could you not be, it's worth checking out. Personally, I don't like it as much as the original 2001. And we've talked about this in the past with other fan edits where we've watched the fan edit and i'm like man i just really want to watch the The original original. and i had a lot of that going on with this movie which is weird because it's not it really isn't like too 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 far far off off of the path but it's far enough that i i don't know yeah Uh, there's something about the pacing of this movie uh that from for this edit that i think works better than i thought it would and I think it's probably just because it's coming from somebody who who knows understands who knows kind of how that works. That's interesting because to me, I think the pacing is off. Oh, oh, okay. I think that the segments don't make sense. Like the the amount of time spent between the segments is vastly different, mm. uh, but not like mirroring the time. Uh, that's spent on them in their original yeah you know what i mean yeah i don't know it's really weird um it's, i i suspect that the bulk of the 31 minutes that's cut out is in the um is in the haywood sequence yeah there's some cut out from the beginning as well yeah but uh, yeah the africa yeah, shit. Yeah. but yeah the majority of it is from the second that Chapter. you see him on that yeah. spaceship. Yeah, in fact, uh, the original uh, has has I think the four chapter names. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, this one only had it only included the, the name for chapter three and four. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Jupiter eighteen months later, and then Jupiter uh, Infinite and Beyond. Yeah, and didn't have the other labels. But anyway, uh, if you can find it, check it out. It's at dot info. Steven Soderbergh's fan edit of two thousand one. Yeah. Um, uh, and uh, he's got other edits. Well, maybe we can crack those, uh, find those. And I want to do that uh, psycho one really bad. Check out his psycho edit. I'm not uh, crazy about this movie. Wait, Steven Soderbergh, okay. Steven Soderbergh's psycho edit? He did an edit. It's kind of a mishmash of uh, Alfred Psycho and Gus Van Sant's Psycho. Well, you have Ooh. a Twitter, don't you? Do you ever use it? Because I'm no. curious, like, if anyone else... Somebody hacked my Twitter, and then I never, like, fought Twitter to unhack it. So right. I think it's just not being used. Oh, my God. Okay, well, <laughs> you know what? If you guys have seen this movie, I'm curious about what y'all's thoughts are. If you're sure. uh, a big Kubrick fan or if you really like 2001, so you can tweet uh, at dude versus girl (laughs) uh which is my show uh mountain dude versus dorito girl which is about video games but i would love to continue the conversation there maybe uh i don't know we can maybe try and set up something if you have some pretty heavy thoughts on it maybe we could do a mini interview or something yeah that would be uh, that would be fun um if you also uh i have this uh, this episode will eventually go up at the feature this podcast.com and there's a there's a spot there to leave comments so you can leave comments there if you like yeah um yeah it was like yeah just whatever shoot, nobody does this. Just <laughs> this, is, this is dumb 
All right. Shut them down. Uh, let's do some plugs. What do you guys got going on? Uh, oh, Jesus Christ. I'm sorry. I got, I'm got. i tangled up in my headphones right now. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, like I said, you can listen to my show. It's also on Body Tape International. Uh, I would recommend that you check out all of the other shows on the network. Uh, yeah. But my show is Mountain Dude vs. Dorito Girl. If you want to hear me talk about video games, I have a lot to talk about this week right on which it comes out on tuesday so it's actually tomorrow if you guys are listening to the show right now so all right yeah do that hell yeah ethan oh uh uh fcc presents is still sounding like a trash pit <laughs> it's fucking <laughs> top notch last trash. episode was amazing yeah. last yeah. episode was good and trash and you're featured on a new podcast you have a, uh, you're, you're gonna be on an episode. Oh yeah, I'm gonna be on the next listening room, the listening room live storytelling show. Another uh, podcast on body tape. Another podcast, and if you, I, I'm playing live. If you want to come to that, if you're listening, yeah. November 28th is that a Monday? Yeah. If you're yeah. in Austin, November 28th at the at Volstead and I'm playing early because it's a show run by old people yeah I'll <laughs> I'm playing at 8pm so Earth. you can get in and get out before bedtime you can <laughs> and it's free no you can come hang out and talk to me about uh, yeah. Stanley Kubrick yeah 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 or whatever yeah. or if you just want to be called an idiot well, you can I'm definitely <laughs> find me because that's not gonna, out of my wheelhouse i making noises for like 30 minutes I have yeah. one more thing I want to plug Go for it. Happy Halloween. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Happy post Halloween and happy Thanksgiving. We're gonna keep it up with the. We're gonna keep up with the Kubricks. Yeah, so keeping it's up with the Kubricks. Keeping up. Oh wait, that was the one joke I'd written about <laughs> this thing. Oh my God. Wait, uh, I wrote like two notes. What BBK? Is it? Is a bad joke. Come on, I'm gonna do All it. All right. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Why are they so futuristic? But they can't fix the echo. <laughs> there was a better <laughs> joke before that. That was that I'd written two lines, All and right. I, the other one's not good enough. All right, and we're gonna close out the show here, everybody. Thank yeah. you for listening. Uh, podcast.com and everything else. Somebody taping international. Thank you for listening. Yeah. Thank you. Bye. Bye.